I am going to invite um, Richard and Bert to come and find a seat as I read the next passage that uh, we are lifting up in worship today. Y'all are out of practice from wearing those mics, I see. Well, our, our second reading comes from Revelation 21, 1 through 7, and 22, 1 and 2. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven for, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Jumping over to 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's going to be really hard for me to sit down and talk. Um, so I want to remind you of what we are doing together. Um, we're having a month of questions that you have sent in that we're going to attempt to answer. Some are unanswerable. Um, some we will not name specifically, but what I tried to do was take all the questions and put them in themes for each Sunday. So you may not hear your question directly, but hopefully you will hear something that gives you a way to think about your question. Again, we have a Wednesday night at the end of the month where you can come if you have taken notes and you just want to come and continue the conversation. Um, we have uh, some retired ministers, Richard Robbins, Bert Felder, and Ron Allison, who will be um, aiding us. Brandon Jones is also going to jump in. We'll allow him. He has the credentials. <laughs> He's going to get to jump in. I told them if they're not up here, they can sit out there and be the hecklers. So we'll see how this, how this all goes. Um, but my hope through this, again, is not to answer every question. My hope is to remind you that uh, part of faith, uh, maybe even just faith itself, is about the questions. Um, theology is just the study of God. Studying God, looking at ourselves, that relationship between God and ourselves, so that we can come to understand God better, who we are better, um, understand the world better. And also the hope of it is that hopefully we regain some of the wonder. Um, Brandon pointed that out to me, the wonder of our faith and of our God. So that's what we hope, um, hope to accomplish this month. But today, we are going to begin at the beginning. Um, you've heard Genesis, we looked at Revelation and kind of this new beginning. I'll say more about that later. And we're starting there because one of your questions was, how did God come into being? And this is where I pass the buck. So, when someone comes to you and asks, how did God come into being, what do you say? The standard answer I usually give is, I don't know. When I came into the world, God was already here. I know she looked at us and said, they're almost as old as God. They all know. 
but we're really not that old. <laughs> but you look at the scripture you read this morning, it says, in the beginning, God. Mm. In the beginning, God created. So there are no human beings who've ever lived who were there before creation. God created. He brought into being time, space, form. And so, you know, it's a question we love to play with. Yeah. But for which there is no definite answer to the way I feel. Yeah. I, I agree. I think it's, you know, one of those questions that's above my pay grade. <laughs> I have no idea what happened before anything ever happened uh, before beginning. Yeah, yeah. how do you name a God who is creator but also created? I don't know that that's a thing we can... Um, I like to think of it as how numbers, when you were a kid and you first realized numbers have no beginning or end, did anyone else's mind like blow up when you were a child when you tried to think, just mine? Okay. Numbers have no beginning or end or that the universe keeps expanding. I don't know that our brains can hold this. Um, I do like that you said God created time, because I think that's one way to think of it. We, we think of linear time, and that's not, that's not God, do, right? You know, how do we measure time by sun, moon, movement, which was all part of creation? Creation, yeah, named in there. Um, well, I want to speak just a bit on that Genesis passage, because you just kind of... Uh, alluded to that. So we did kind of start worship with the beginning. And I don't know if you've ever noticed, there are two creation accounts. They are very different. They even have the order of things being created happening at different times. Um, they give us very different um, understandings of kind of what the people telling those stories want us to think about. The first is very poetic and gives us this vivid imagery um, of a loving God who created out of goodness. And the second is more like something you could picture around a campfire, right? We're sitting around a campfire and we're trying to tell this big story of how all, you know, how, how these things came into being, Adam and Eve and, and the animals and the trees and how we name the animals. That's more of the campfire story. But the main thing about those um, are origin stories, our beginning stories. It's not that we look to them for the scientific outline of how creation happened but they help us understand something about who God is, about who we are, and about that relationship um, between us and God. Um, so I'm gonna ask you two, um, what does our creation story, our origin story, help us understand about who God is, about who we are, and about that relationship between, I would say, creation itself and God? I, one of my professors in seminary uh, said about the first 11 chapters of Genesis that you, the best way to understand it is if this is the answer, what was the, the question? question? And of course, Genesis 1 is that beautiful poetic story. And part of what it says is why is Sabbath special? Why do we have to rest on the seventh day? And the second story, the Adam and Eve story, is if creation is so beautiful, why are we in the mess we're in? Mm. Why isn't everything perfect and good? And so you get Adam and Eve and the tree and uh, the forbidden fruit and all of that. 
So I think they both tell us something about who we are uh, in the midst of this world. I think it tells us something about who God is. In the beginning, God created and everything was perfect. When he finished, he said, that's good, very good. Very good. Then we messed it up. <laughs> that wasn't God's plan. We fouled things up. And so they were kicked out of the garden. And then the story starts again almost. Okay, I'll give you another chance. So they get out and they try again, and what happens? They mess up again. So the flood comes. And they keep trying, you know, and then it starts again with Adam. Abraham, I mean. And uh, you know, the covenant is given to a new people. And I think today God's still working with us, mm. trying to get, get it, help us to get it right. God's got it right, but we have it. But I think God's still at work. You know, he's not finished. Yeah. And one of the things I've experienced in the last 20 years, I've had several sort of rough moments in my life. And I've never thought, well, God, why did you let that happen? I've always felt like God's with me during this. Mm -hmm. No matter how bad things are, God is with us, helping to create something out of that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I just see the Genesis story, the story of God's beginning with God's people. Yeah. And God's still working with God's people. And the, um, God helping us create something out of that even harkens back to a yeah. creator God, which we're going to come back to in a, yeah. in a little bit. Um, Oh, gosh, you said something that I was going to lead into this with. Oh, that, that God created and called it good. One thing I've always um, loved about our creation story, not that I have read every ancient creation story that's out there, but if you find some of the ancient creation stories, a lot of them, creation is birthed out of violence. Like it's God against God, or there's this big epic battle and something comes out of it. And, and our story says something very different. It's a God who out of love created, created in love, for love, by love, and then called that creation good. Sets up a very different relationship that God is to have um, with God's creation. He's looking at his watch. I'm moving on. <laughs> I'm trying to watch. Yeah, I know. Um, so... Um, another part, and I'm going to go through this very, very quickly, of beginnings we thought we would touch on today because next week we're going to dive a little bit more into um, a lot. There was lots of questions about heaven and hell and salvation and atonement, so that'll be more next week. But I did want to cover beginnings of that since we're talking about beginnings, um, and I do have some notes on that. So just some brief brief broad strokes of heaven and hell. There's actually very little in the Bible um, about heaven or about this post-mortem hell. There's stuff you can find, but in the overarching story, there's very little there. Jesus didn't say a whole lot about this future life that we would have. Jesus was more concerned about God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, and that inauguration event being with him, being on earth. Um, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, it's not about this escape plan where one day we will go up and be in paradise, but about God's kingdom being inaugurated on earth with the work of Jesus. And how do we aid and live into that until that future date when God's sovereign rule um, will be on earth as it is in heaven? Um, that creation event will happen again. Um, in the Bible, heaven, again, is not named as some kind of future destiny, but it's God's dimension, God's space, um, God's presence, kind of a way to think of heaven. And then the big overarching message in the Bible, you know, is that at the last, you read in Revelation 21, God will, um, will remake 
will renew. Creation again, there's this, there's this constant activity of God. Both earth and heaven. Both earth and heaven, yes. And new yes. earth and a new heaven. Yes, and then in heaven coming down to earth, which we always go up. Yeah. Anyway, um, and then for hell, in the Old Testament, you'll find the word Sheol, which was the place of the dead. It wasn't the image we hold now. In the New Testament, the most common word is Ghana, which was an actual place. It was a garbage dump outside of Jerusalem. Um, so it was this image of ruin and decay. And Jesus, when he references it in those few places, was like, you know, if, if you don't repent, if you don't live the way that God envisions this world to run, you will create this ruin, decay, a dump. Um, Hell's not a major topic in the, in the letters, except in Romans, you can find some stuff. It's not mentioned in Acts at all in the life of the early church. And there's really no agreement on the meaning in Revelation, what it means. So those are just brief beginnings. There are shifts throughout church history of understandings of heaven and hell. The medieval times obviously has some artwork that will terrify you. <laughs> One I saw on a trip to Spain was literally this picture of ladders going up and down. And as people tried to crawl to heaven, these demons were jumping up and trying to grab you off the ladder. That's terrifying. Um, and in World War I and World War II, I found this interesting. I read somewhere that there was so much death, so much evil, so much carnage during those time periods that people started to think that um, I can't believe in a God that would create a hell where people would eternally live in hell. I need a God that's going to deliver me from the hell on earth. Um, because there was just so much death around them during the war. Um, so I'm going to turn to y'all. That's kind of beginnings. But the question I have for you, too, is where does the image and the picture, um, the idea of heaven and hell that Western Christianity holds today, where do those come from? And how have they maybe changed over time? I think it's in some ways a, a misreading of the earlier stories about the alienation from God and the thing we did with, with what does Jesus mean, what does Jesus on the cross mean, that notion that I think is wrong of the substitutionary atonement that uh, you know somehow uh, you know that. If you uh, and, and our, our our misuse of that as the church to scare folks into liking Jesus, you know, I, there are plenty of reasons to like Jesus. I just don't think scaring them because if you don't believe, you're going to go to hell is really a very constructive way to help folks love each other, uh, which is sort of what Jesus was about. Yeah, and, and I think it's important to me to remember that it was sort of a development. It mm -hmm. slowly developed. It just didn't happen overnight. In the first 36 chapters of Genesis, which covered a long period of time, his people died. That was the only comment made, and so-and-so died. And then in chapter 37, Jacob, when he hears that, when he doesn't hear, he thinks that Joseph has died when the boys bring back a bloody garment, a coat of many colors that Jacob had given him. And he thinks he's died. And for the first time he says, I'll have to go down to Sheol mm -hmm. and mourn to see my son. And then, you know, later on, 
it's really in the second century B.C. before there's really any concept of heaven, the hereafter for mm -hmm. God's faithful. And so that slowly develops. And over the years, it slowly developed. And in almost any period, somebody at that point would have said, this is definitely the way it is. Mm -hmm. And we're still there. I think we're still struggling with this. It's, you know, and to me, heaven is being with God, and hell is being absent from God. I mean, what mm -hmm. could be worse than that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, we're, we'll follow up with some of these next week. I think it's I think it's you and me and Brandon next week. So fuller fuller conversation about that next week. But all that to say is there are these beginning ideas and images that, as you said, develop and change over time. Um, and I don't remember, maybe, I don't remember where it's, I may have it in my notes for next week, but the, but the image of like the three-tiered earth of a heaven, earth, and then a hell below was not the kind of this original, yeah, picture of how it was all, um, all set up. Um, so, talking about beginnings, talking about even thinking about, you know, God's activity in our lives and what that meant for those beginning conversations of heaven and hell, Another question we had had to do with God's providence. Where is God in the world when bad things happen? Um, how is God active and moving in the world? And y'all both hinted on that a little bit already. So I'm just going to name this, thinking of a beginning story. In Genesis, we do find the story of Adam and Eve, and it sets up um, the free will, the choice, the choice we all get, continually get to have and how that plays into God's providence. From the very beginning, we are told they're in the garden. You can eat of this, but not that. It's your choice. And we know the choice uh, that was made. You move from that, you've got in Joshua, they're moving into the promised land. And Joshua says, choose this day whom you will serve. For me and my household, I will serve the Lord. And then even Jesus with his disciples tells them, you know, um, those who wish to be my disciples, they will choose to take up their cross and follow me. So choice is baked into our story in such a way um, that God chose to make God's self vulnerable, to almost limit God's self in a way, and that God gave us choice. Um, we are able to live in this world um, the way that we choose. One thing that helps me when I think about God's providence and why God, um, where God is when bad things happen, I read somewhere that said, God will never take away someone else's free will to make my prayers come true. And that's hard to hold, um, but it also kind of helps you think through that, yes, and it's not that there are bad people and good people, it's that we all have the capacity for evil and God gave us free will and we get to choose. I know that doesn't help a whole lot when you think of natural disasters or disease, um, but that's one, one beginning story of helping us think of God's activity in the world is that free will piece. So I'm going to ask you two um, kind of your own thoughts of where is God when bad things happen? You kind of already answered that, but you can restate it if you like. I just restate it. I think God is with us walking in and in. You know, he looks at the tragedy and says, that's terrible. Yeah. 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 And look at, you know, look at Jesus. Uh, and I think that begins to be part of the meaning of the cross. That Jesus is willing to go to the depth of suffering. Mm -hmm. That God is in the midst of our suffering, not off somewhere else. Uh, and that, you know, that somehow redemptive love can 
began to heal, uh, not immediately, but yeah. began to heal in the midst of all the suffering that's out there. I would also just like to share that um, as a reminder to you all, um, we went to seminary for three years. So our little 20 minute conversation with you today does not, does not even you know, cover the, the, t the, the three years worth of conversations we had. Well, you know, one of the things is in the creation story is what if God hadn't pointed out that tree? I mean, it might have been generations before they ever ate of that tree, but God says don't eat of that tree of course, it's got a target on it now. <laughs> like putting the Oreos in front of the, you yeah, know, yeah. don't eat Do the Oreos. Um, any, um, I'm going to wrap up in a second because um, we do have communion today, but um, any, any final thoughts or any, any spurring thoughts, Ron or Brandon, as you were listening, that you just want to jump in there and share? You don't have to. No, go for it. Of course. You guys have to talk about sin. That's, that's Sunday number four. Can't wait that. This is true. Man. Well, it's, it's that brokenness. Yeah. Our free will. We have a choice to make. And there are good choices and bad choices. And there are some choices that are sort of in between. Which I do... Yes, it's Sunday 4, but um, I think that's your Sunday, too. So you just remember that question. Yeah, I guess the next thing I wonder is why, why do we have it? Was that a mistake on God's part? I'm sorry? Was that a mistake on God's part? He's like... <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I think about that is that God created us to be in relationship with God and with creation and with one another. And if there no, is no free will, then that relationship doesn't mean anything. Right. It's not a relationship. Yeah, and God created us in His image, in Her image, in His yeah. image. Uh, Look at you. So, you know, if, if God has this ability, we have this ability. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm going to do a movie reference. I'm showing my age. Um, who's seen iRobot out there? One person, to, okay, few of you, if you want a great movie on free will, which Jeff said he saw it, um, which I don't know that that was the intent of the movie creators, uh, but if you want a great movie that helps us think about free will, watch iRobots. So these, these AI robots are created, and um, I'm going to forget the three rules, but they have three rules that are embedded into their, their DNA, their robot DNA, um, and it's like don't, don't harm the humans, don't let them harm themselves, something like that. You've, you've, I can't remember the three rules, but by the end of the movie, all of the robots have collectively kind of enclosed or imprisoned all the humans in buildings because they realize the only way to keep humans from harming each other is to imprison them, is to hold them in a space and completely control what they can do. Um, and that just spoke beautifully to me of like God and free will and sin, that, that I do fully believe that God made God's self vulnerable and limited God's self in a way when God chose to say, this is how I want this relationship. Um, you're going to be able to choose. Um, and yeah, I am going to wrap, wrap it up. But yeah, I do think you got that. I'll go back yeah. and look. But. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Love cannot exist without choice, is what Ron, Ron just said. Thank you. Well, I'm going to try to wrap us up a little bit. I, I chose um, Genesis and Revelation because I, I don't know that you've ever caught that the Bible is literally bookended by trees. There's the tree that we, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, um, the tree of life in the beginning stories in Genesis. And then when you get to Revelation, there's the tree of life on either side of the river of life. And what I love about that Revelation passage is that it says the leaves will be for the healing of the nations. So how um, the Spirit aided us with encapsulating this story of our faith is that we, end, we begin with the tree that we ate off of and corruption came. We end with a tree whose sole purpose will be for healing. And if that doesn't have something to say about... Um, Jesus' mission and heaven and hell and holding all, all that together, I don't know what does. Um, I've heard that you know, that Revelation passage is a commencement of sorts, that there is a new beginning. So the message, again, that I hope we find in our questions about beginnings, whether we're talking about creation or the beginnings of heaven or hell or other deeply held theological concepts like sin, um, I hope that what we're hearing is that all of these origin stories all of these things we come to tell us something very important about God and about who we are and about that relationship, that relationship as it comes together. And that the message we ultimately find is this, our God is a God of beginnings. And they are surprising beginnings most of the time. And that is who God continues to be. So the last passage I want to read echoes creation. It's John 1. If I can find, I've got too many things in my Bible. Um, it echoes creation. Um, John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. So our God is a God of beginnings, and most of the time they are surprising beginnings. Each week I'm going to leave you with a little takeaway that maybe will help you reframe um, some of the questions you may have. It'll be in the bulletin every time. It's in the bulletin this week, and um, this week it comes from... This book, which I want to highly recommend, Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright, Rethinking Heaven, the Resurrection, the Mission of the Church. If you still have questions about heaven, hell, the resurrection, what it all means, this is a great book. It's a little weighty, but it is a really good book. Um, and in it, N.T. Wright says, Dust we are, to dust we will return, but God can do great things with dust. Amen.